0: professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities reference in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you all so much for your support and for tuning in. You can follow Planet Microcap on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft, that's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. You're listening to episode 186. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to tweet at me or shoot me an email at rcraft at snnwire.com. And when you do get a chance, if you like what you hear, please rate and review Planet Microcap on iTunes. It really helps provide feedback for me and spread the Microcap message. We are officially two weeks away from the SNN Network Summer Virtual Event 2021. The full event agenda is now live so go on our website at conference.snn.network and check out to see all the themes and topics for the panels and keynotes as well as the latest list of the presenting companies that will be joining us booking one-on-one meetings with our presenters is also now open so if you're thinking about participating now is the time to register and set your schedule and availability if you'd like to participate please click the register button on our event website, conference.snn.network. You will have access to all the company presentations, keynotes, educational panels, directly on the conference website on each day once you are logged in. You will also be eligible to request and conduct one-on-one meetings with the presenting company management teams. So for the event, to register, go to conference.snn.network, click that register button, and I'll see you all there. Now, for this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I spoke with Srivatsan Prakash. He is the host of the Market Champions podcast and an aspiring fund manager. Not only has he discovered the fun and joy of investing at such a young age, he started a podcast to actively learn from great investors. Some even have been guests on this pod. As you will hear, Shri is incredibly passionate about investing, microcaps, and at 17 years old, Shri is well on his way to an incredible career, and I feel privileged being able to follow along. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 186 of the Planet Microcap Podcast, and please enjoy my conversation with Vatsan Prakash. Back to the Planet Microcap podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K Kraft. That's B-O-B-B Y K-K-R-A-F-T. And joining me today is I, I think officially my youngest guest. I have to, I have to check with I have to check my records and talk to <laughs> Michael Liu and see if maybe may, he might have had Jabi. I can't I can't remember exactly, but nonetheless, I'm really excited to have on today Shribatsan Prakash. He is a 17-year-old aspiring fund manager, host of the Market Champions podcast, which he started while he was still in his crib, as well as a self-described value investor. Shree, thank you for joining me today, man. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Really excited to be here.
0: It's, it's great to have you on, man. And I got we got to start off. Hey, congratulations. You just you just graduated high school. So yep. now you're free. Thank you you, you can do whatever <laughs> you want. Yep. Thank you. Do, you. do you still want to be a fund manager? Yes, sir. Oh, oh, good. Okay. All right. Just making sure, you know, like now that you're free, you're like, all right, there's all these possibilities. Do I still yeah. want to be there? So so it's good. All right.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> good stuff. Well, um, you know, Bert, again, thanks for joining me today. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I'd love to start with your background, man. I mean, look, you're, you're only 17. So I'm, I'm assuming, it, I don't know if it was that long ago, but like when when did your passion for investing start or how did it start?
1: So uh, I guess the right way to, I guess the right way to answer that is probably, um, so when I was younger, so let's say about four years old or so, uh, I knew the capital of pretty much every country in the world. And so I was basically engrossed in how the world works from like a really young age. And um, so when I was in grade one, uh, and I was about five years old, I got an atlas. And uh, so I basically knew the atlas inside out within like a few months. So I guess I was just really engrossed, number one, in the way the world works. Number two, what goes on in different countries. And, um, so, was, so that's sort of, that's sort of where like the initial interest about investing, st- uh, sparked, but it was not like officially, you know, investing, it was not officially reading financial statements or you know anything of that sort. It was just, you know, being interested in the world around me. And so, um, so when I was about 13 years old, um, I, I picked up uh, my first investing book because, um, uh, you know, I was reading about this guy named Warren Buffett, and you know, it was sort of it's sort of like the intersection of my interest and in, like how the world works and like the ability to make a lot of money, which you know is sort of a really good thing that comes along with being an investor. And uh, so I pretty much picked up my first book about investing when I was 13, and um, so it was a book called "Finding Number One Stocks" by a guy named uh, Kevin Mattress, and um, he he was the president, or he is the president of. A uh, investment research firm called Zach's Investment Corporation, and um, so that's so that's sort of so that's sort of where it really got started, and that's sort of you know, what propelled me into investing. And then you know I've just read pretty much anything and everything, and even to this day, you know I still keep learning about you know what all goes on in the world, and you know. Reading annual reports every single day, you know, trying to learn more about businesses, trying to learn more about you know the economy, so on and so forth. And I've read, uh, you know, what I would consider sort of the more common books on investing. You know, The Intelligent Investor, Security Analysis, um, the Warren Buffett way, the essays of Warren Buffett. Um, you know, Peter Lynch's books, One Up on Wall Street and Beating the Street. And uh, I think George Soros's book called *The Alchemy of Finance* that was, you know, another brilliant book. And one thing that he shares in that book is he sort of has a trade journal uh, in the middle of the book. And so he basically shares his life thought process as he made decisions. And I know this is like a micro cap and, you know, stock picking kind of podcast. So I guess, um,
0: well, not, not so much stopping, but, you know, investing strategy side of it. But, you know, we we, yep. we started microcap; we've been covering everything else since, but, but yeah, sorry, I, I, I interrupted
1: I know, no worries. So he, so he basically just shared a couple of things. And uh, in the so as so, you know, as you probably know, in the 1970s, um, you no, know, we saw a great amount of inflation. And then the early 1980s, we saw rates go, you know, sky high in the US to sort of bring down the inflation and that cost a dollar to go very, very high. And, you know, Soros made a bet in 1985 that all the central bankers would bring the dollar down, and, and that sort of that sort of got me really excited, and you know, watching the big short and so on and so forth. And now, <laughs> that's that's pretty much how I, that's pretty much how I got to where I am today. And then uh, about two years ago, uh, I started the podcast. So initially, it was called uh, Daily Investing, a uh, Daily Investing Show, and uh, about. I guess, you know, a year or so back, you know, I switched the name from Daily Investing Show to Market Champions because well primarily, uh, number one, uh, I wanted to, I wanted it to be sort of, so before that, so before it became Market Champions, you know, I would cover sort of all the aspects of businesses. So, you know, I would have people who ran like social media marketing agencies and people who are just general entrepreneurs with, uh, you know, without anything, uh, without like them doing anything related to investing and, you know, I would have investors as well. But, uh, so after it changed to market champions I've just had investors from, you know, all walks of life. So, you know, I've had, you know, value investors, you know, I've had a guy who, you know, runs a value fund from Hong Kong and then, you know, I've had some macro guys as well. And so it's been, it's been a lot of fun uh, overall. So, yep.
0: So, all right, well. You know, I, I was I was going to quickly ask. You know, you said you you studied the world and all the capitals, so I'm going to do a quick test. What's the capital of Argentina?
1: Buenos Aires.
0: There you go. Okay. Uruguay. Uh, uh, uh,
1: Montevideo.
0: Oh, you know, for, I knew it was Montevideo, but I wasn't totally sure. Okay, all right, good, all right. So, okay. all right, all right, everybody's telling the truth. He knows, he knows the capital. Yep. That's good. <laughs> that's good. So, 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 okay. You're you're 13 years old you're 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 looking at at the world around you. You know it's a much bigger there's so much more to the world than just what you're learning about in high school. You know, how did you balance, you know, wanting to go off on this hobby that takes a lot of work and time and and passion to want to understand more while also balancing like hey, I got like well, I got homework I got, I got a test tomorrow like so what what, I, I, what did you do? Did you just say all right, I'm 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 not going to do these other things. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> so, uh,
1: so that's a, that's a good question. And so, it was, so from 2009 to October 2018. Uh, so I was born in 04. So 2004, just for context. So wow. when uh, so from 09 to 18. Um,
0: I hope oh, everybody just felt that too that he said he was born in 04 because that was the first time I felt that. That <laughs> I think I might have just. All right, I'm sorry. I I felt that age thing. I,
1: Okay, anyway, so I'll (laughs) continue. Yep, so uh, from 2009 (laughs) to to 2018, um, I lived in Singapore. And uh, so from, uh, and then in October 2018, I moved to Canada from Singapore. And so I basically found out about investing and started learning about it when I was in Singapore. And so why that is significant is, so when I I was in Singapore, so uh, Singapore as a whole sort of has like really Kind of hard academics. So they sort of teach, you know, they sort of, you know, head way above their level. So they teach you like differential calculus in grade 10. And in Canada, they teach you differential calculus in grade 12. So what happened was, so the first one year or so when I was in Singapore and sort of discovered this passion for investing, um, I didn't have all that time to read. And um, because, you know, there was a lot of academic pressure. So but then when I moved to Canada, from Singapore, I already knew the stuff they were teaching in high school, so that was sort of a really good, you know, benefit of coming here. And you know, on the side, so I had all the time to sit down, just read about investing, and you know, interview people. And so that's sort of that's sort of how that you know came to be. <laughs>
0: that's that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So I mean, listen, man, why didn't you want to learn about investing from you know TikTok or you know some of these other things? I mean, why why did you want to? What, what, who gave you the, the roadmap of like, hey, no, you need you should read these books maybe to kind of get you started? Because, I, I mean, it's so easy to get all this information to learn about investing. And I joked about that, but in all seriousness, you can there's some really great TikTokers out there and some great YouTubers that have some great content and information. I mean, that's, I mean, that's your generation. That's been kind of – that's how yeah. they've been learning a little bit. So what made you say, you know, I'm going to pick up this book and, and read, read what this guy Warren has to say about this stuff? I
1: guess I'm a boomer in a zoomer's body. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the title. That's the title of this pod. I'm sorry, that's you just gave it. Let's I love it. that. <laughs> I, mean, I,
1: I guess I've just been reading about everything, uh, and then sort of, <laughs> I've, uh, I mean, I've always turned to books when I when I needed answers ever since I was a kid. So, um, so I guess that's that sort of, uh, you know, that's that's sort of why I went to books as opposed to you know videos and. Um, in general, I was sort of more distrustful of videos because a lot of them tended to um, dedicate themselves to, you know, forex trading or you know, binary options or you know, some of some of those rather you know shady shady kind of um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I do watch like all the all the Warren Buffett interviews and all the Berkshire Hathaway meetings and so on that were on YouTube. So that's the, that's what I use YouTube for. And what I didn't use it for is you know trying to follow some get rich quick schemes and I think that's that was a good decision
0: I I mean the fact that you were able to even tell that they were that is is I mean power to you man I mean look it's e- it's e- it's easy to get totally confused and you know and, and 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 fooled by some of that stuff so I mean that kudos just on being able to tell that you know um thank you so okay so you started but then so then you started the podcast I think it, it was January 2019 so correct what what inspired you to, to start the pod? I, I'm imagining we might have very similar reasons for why we both started our podcast. So I, I'd love to hear yours.
1: So the reason I started my podcast was, uh, so a little backstory. Um, I actually got started on, uh, I actually got started building, uh, building this elite investor page on Instagram as opposed to Twitter. And so, I, you know, as a kid, I was, more exposed to instagram than i was to twitter and you know i eventually found my way to twitter over instagram so when i was uh so when i was actually uh, building a page out on instagram i i followed this guy and you know he ran a podcast and so i as i was listening to his podcast and i thought you know it's really cool so you know he just called up people and then he got to speak to them and you know the other thing that was really cool is you know you could get these other bigger names to actually just share your podcast. And that way you also get a bigger audience, not only for your podcast, but also for your page. And, uh, you know, I, and I also figured out that, um, I had uh, the fact that I was 14 when I started the podcast, I had that sort of as a differentiating figure and yep. sort of, sort of something that, you know, I could sell and that's the, and, uh, you know, that's where, that's where I got started. So I got started because you know there's this guy, there's this other dude on Instagram. He was doing podcasts, and you know I would listen to it. Um, he did one every single day, and you know I thought that was awesome. So I started one, and uh, so the so the initial days of the podcast. So if you actually scroll all the way down, um, it, it pretty much just started with a pair of headphones and you know uh, and uh, and uh, and an iPhone, and uh, all I did was wake up at 5 a.m. every day and then record myself speaking for 15 minutes, and um, that that's sort of. So I guess the first two or so months of you know how the podcast went, and then you know it started to get a little harder because either I started running out of topics, or uh, <laughs> number or number two, school started to school started to uh, get in the way because you know you, I'd still have like final exams and stuff. So you know, that so and then after that, you know, it shifted to once every two days, and then from that it went to once a week. And you know, so far I've been able to maintain that uh, once a week. Uh, I, I've been able to do the podcast at least once a week. So Very it's. Cool. Yep.
0: Very cool. Yeah. No. I guess what you know did scroll all the way down. I did. (laughs) Scrolled all. I scrolled all the way down. And yeah. No. I mean, it's look, dude. It's it's hard starting these things. You know, like uh, I remember back in the day, like uh, you know, talking about microcaps. I mean, how many people are out there to even talk about my? But I didn't think that at the time. I was just like, okay, it's gonna be a weekly. Get it out there, and like even after the first eight episodes, I was like, whoa, 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 okay, I gotta. I, I went to every yeah. other week at, at that point, like it's, it's hard, it's hard, man. And and finding yeah, the right absolutely. audience and doing all that. But, you know, it's definitely the world's, I mean, the world's changed a lot. What a year, two years, three years, four, I started mine in 2015, you know, so I mean, the, the things, harder thing but,
1: is like also to say consistent, right. You have to do, you have number one, you have to reach out to people. And the problem is, you know, a lot of them are, are, are you know, simply they're, they're just not going to respond or they're going to say yeah. no. And then you end up with, you know, sort of a, a process where, you know, it's, it just becomes really hard to stay consistent. It's easy to fall off. And in a sense, you know, podcasts have like a really low barrier to entry because, you know, anyone could just go onto anchor.fm and, you know, start their podcast, but it's, it's just really hard to stay consistent. And that's sort of, uh, and, uh, and, you know, and, uh, and, you know, after a point it becomes easier because then you're able to say, tell people that, you know, I've had you know, all these guests on my show, you know, yeah. So, and then, and then you know that's that's sort of another uh, that sort of that's sort of another way you get yourself, sell, uh, you know your podcast and get other people to come on but
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> all right so now we're going to get to some some investing stuff you know investing kind of mm-hmm. questions you know as i said the open and also you mentioned on twitter and other platforms that you describe yourself as a value investor in us equities so, describe what what does value investing mean to you? Know what because what what kind of value investor are you? You're traditional, like by the book, or do you have some some differences?
1: So uh, I guess I'm so I'm somewhere in the middle. So um, value invest so I guess value investing to me is sort of the definition that Ben Graham gave in um in the in his book uh, The Intelligent Investor, where he said that. You know, you need to protect your principal, and then you need to do an adequate amount of. uh, We need to do wait. So you need to do careful analysis, protect your principal, and hope for an adequate return, and that sort of that's sort of what a value investment, you know, consists of. And, you know, I guess there's many different ways to value invest. And in a sense, I like to put things into buckets. So that's something I learned from Peter Lynch. So if you read one up on Wall Street, you know, he talks about cyclical stocks, and there's growth stocks, and there's turnaround stocks. And, you know, there's, he has like, you know, like four more, uh, you know, different buckets that he puts them in. And so in that sense, I like to look, uh, I like to look at number one, what exactly the thesis is. And then After that, look for sort of a catalyst to actually bring, you know, to bring the to bring the stock up to fair value. And, you know, uh, there's different ways to analyze different things. So, for example, one stock that I guess I've mentioned to you a couple of times over Twitter DM is a company called David's T or DTEA. And so, you know, that company has 46 percent insider ownership, which is really good. And I guess that is in a way it's sort of a turnaround. so what so what they what they did was they had a ton of you know physical locations. They had about 240 locations, but by July 2020, they required financial reorganization. And if I remember correctly, they also went bankrupt and they had to uh, and they reorganized their entire company. And so they permanently closed all their U.S. stores and 160 so uh, 166 Canadian stores, and they focused on you know e-commerce and wholesaling. And they have some awesome operating leverage because, you know, they're entirely e-commerce based and they're based online. And the other thing is they have an amazing product as well. And so if you go, you know, read the reviews and if you try the product out yourself, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, and so that's, that's sort of, you know, an example of a turnaround company. And then another would, another one would be sort of a growth investment. And, um, an example of that would be a company called Smith Microsoft where the ticker is SMSI and you know, disclosure I'm long, both DTA and SMSI. Nice. Um, Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh so SMSI basically uh they've got a a family safety app called SafePath. So you know it's for you know parents to instead of a parent it, like keeps the app on their kids' tablet and so on, you know, they're able to track what know their kids does their you know the number of hours so on and so forth and you know that's very useful if you are a parent and um so so well so what exactly uh so what exactly uh SMS uh, so what exactly uh, you know SMSI is uh so what exactly the benefit of SMSI is you can think of it as sort of a SAS company and so uh for SMSI most costs are fixed and so safe path on location labs, location labs was an acquisition they did. And it, that's getting integrated. And um, so location labs are so what they're what they're planning to do is they're sort of getting this out through, uh, you know, careers. And so they're, they're planning to get this out through T-Mobile, and uh, probably through Verizon as well. So in a sense, they have a monopoly over the over all the careers, excluding AT&T. And um, what the so what the, so what the benefit here is is that um when the when uh when um, t-mobile actually uh gets safe out um all their marketing is done by t-mobile you know upselling and you know actually marketing to the end consumer that's on t mobiles uh that, that's that's what t-mobile is going to do and um Overall T-Mobile also has a very large bankroll. And so their major competitor is a company called Life360. And that company has to do all its marketing by itself while uh, you know, uh, SMSI has access to T-Mobile and um, and probably to Verizon as well because uh, they, they acquired a company uh, called Location Labs which does pretty much the same thing. And they already had uh, a contract with Verizon. So in a sense, um, so in a sense, they've got an amazing amount of operating leverage and they've got um, they've got uh, fixed costs. And um, so, I you know, I think it could go up to 15 to $25 a share again, you know, it's not financial advice. So I think I rambled on a bit there. I'm sorry, but.
0: No, look, you're giving, listen, you, you, you gave, you talked about what value investing means to you. And then these are two ideas that yep. demonstrate how you, how you assess the market. I got to ask, I mean, look, you know, you, you brought up two micros on a, on a microcap podcast, I got to yep. ask you, you know, how, how did you stumble in? Did you stumble into microcaps, or, you know, just based on everything that you learned and then, and then doing some screens. I mean, how, how did you, how'd you, how'd you, how'd you get into micro caps?
1: So that's a good question. And, uh, uh, so I guess I sort of stumbled into microcaps. So initially, you know, I was busy reading, uh, the annual reports of companies like Coca-Cola, Starbucks, McDonald's, so on. And, uh, the first stock I ever bought, which I don't own anymore, was Starbucks. And uh, that sort of did a good job of hooking me onto investing because I got to buy it at 53, which was right around the bottom. And then it had a, so this was, I think, in August 2018 or maybe August 2017. I don't remember. It's one to two years. And so it had a bottom around. Forty-seven dollars or so, and then it just it just ran up. it just ran up really fast to eighty-seven, and then I get then so I basically bought at the bottom and then sold at the high, and that sort of that sort of really hooked me on. And um, so I got uh, so I got interest. uh, So when I started investing, I was looking at these major companies, these big multi-billion-dollar companies, and I did rather well with them. But then. eventually uh, i started reading about number 1 how microcaps were like super inefficient because number 1 you don't have all these big hedge funds covering microcaps and uh how you know it's it's also inefficient uh because you know you don't have all this other money that's chasing these microcaps and there's also so many more microcaps compared to a you know, large companies so, so there's a lot more opportunity when it comes to microcaps. And you know, I knew a couple of other people who you know, focused only on microcaps. So it's nice to know them. It was nice to get some ideas and advice from them as well. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much how uh, that's pretty much how uh, you know, I got into micro. It, it it was definitely me stumbling into it. Um, so it, it was not something that you know I had from the start. And the other thing was uh so on Reddit, there's a subreddit called uh security analysis and you know i promise it's not wall yeah. street bets and uh, <laughs> it has got so it's got letters of all the major uh of pretty much all, most of the major hedge funds that you know publicly yeah. release their letters and uh so on that database so most of those uh, most of the funds that release those letters are you know small cap based so you know when you read those letters you see that the companies they invest in are typically 100 million 200 million 300 million 500 million market cap and um so um so so what that so what that did was you know I was able to read about opportunity, uh, not only opportunity but I was also able to see that you know these these had these hedge funds that were returning you know 15 20 twenty five percent a year they were all focused on micro caps so that's sort of another thing that led me into uh the micro cap uh, world as opposed to investing and large caps um uh, which is which is where I started
0: and, and you know what's interesting too when it comes to you know kind of stumbling into micro caps it's like the deeper down the rabbit hole you go of trying to learn as much as you possibly can about investing, the more you want to challenge yourself a little bit. And I mean, did you see that too? Is like, look, like, you know, I, I could, I could, I could invest in these billion dollars and be fine. But like, Hey, I'm 17. I can afford maybe a little bit of risk. You know, I'm, I'm passionate about investing. I'm hooked. Even if maybe I lose a little bit, which we'll, I'll have a question about that in a minute. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's almost a challenge, right? I mean that, that's really that's really what ha- what you think about when you go into microcast because it's not that you know they have the, the statements, they have everything that you need because they're publicly traded, they have to have all that information. but the more you dig, the more you realize like, wait, okay, I gotta understand this a lot better than some of these other you know some of these other bigger names.
1: So I think, you know, the problem is in a way the opposite, because for example, really? Amazon has a, <laughs> Amazon has like a shit ton of moving parts and, you know, as opposed to, um, as opposed to smaller companies for, uh, for example, SMSI, which has you know, one really good product called SafeBath. And um, um, so, uh, so in that, so in that sense, it's actually easier. And the second thing that that I managed to do was I was okay. able to sort of filter out international companies. So, uh, focusing on only U.S. companies because you know, number one, they were overall they're they're overall you know much less likely to be a fraud than compared to companies in China. Then the second thing that you know I, I did was I read a book called Financial Shenanigans, which sort of also got me interested in stuff like short selling. And um, I've never I've never actually sat down and short sold stocks, but you know it also sort of builds in the lesson that, you know, you should actually sit down, go through the financial statements, you know, look at the management, see, you know, how ethical the company is and ethical from the standpoint that, you know, they don't cheat and they don't, uh, they're not actually a fraud. And so, you know, I agree that, you know, there's a lot of these penny stocks that tend to be frauds, but uh, you know, overall, if you're able to, um, we're able to understand the financial statements, understand the business and the management has a pretty good track record of staying ethical, you know, I think, I think that sort of qualifies. Um, this sort of qualifies the business as being okay.
0: You know, what, that's a. You made a really good point. I got to tell you, like, I, and I think that's a really that's a really important thing to reframe. Is that thinking of, you know, it, why 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 would you say microcaps are more challenging? Mm-hmm. Well, Because you got to do more work. Yep. That is
1: true, right? Because you don't have, you know, you don't have access to a lot of research on microcast. So for example, if you wanted to analyze Amazon, you know, you could go on Google, you could search it out, you could search up, you know, Amazon research report, and you probably have 10 research firms putting out reports on Amazon. But that's not true for, you know, smaller companies. And, you know, you have to sit down and do the work. And you know, fortunately for me, you know, I actually like doing the work, I like to sit down, you know, read about businesses, read 10Ks, 10Qs, read the earnings transcripts, and you know, you know, read the, read the financial statements and, you know, so on. But it, it is definitely a lot more work. But um, I guess I enjoy doing the work, so it's not work to me.
0: <laughs> that, I guess therein lies our, di- our, di- our the definition of the challenge, right? It's like, yep. hey, you define challenge as doing a lot more work. For me, I'm going to do this anyway, so it's not work to me. So it's not a yep. challenge. So why not go check it out and see, you know, finding some undiscovered opportunities that have maybe yep. potential huge upside. So. That that's a that's a that's a good clarification. But you know, I, what what would you say has been your biggest learning lesson so far? I mean, you know, as you said, you've been only you've only been doing this about three three four years. You know, like what 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 what's been the what what have you learned the most about investing so far in your career?
1: So. A few things that I have learned is, you know, when you're right, you know, you have to sort of bet bigger than what you uh, you have to sort of, you know, size your positions accordingly. So one thing that, you know, one thing that I have been um, is uh, I have been sort of, uh, I guess, in a sense, I've been smaller in size and uh, when I should have when I should have actually invested more. And, you know, I'll give you an example. so there was a company that I found. Uh, I found about uh, you know, six or seven months back and the ticker is CMLS. And I used to have a position, I'm no longer long. And, you know, that's sort of the mistake there. Uh, so, so basically it was, a, so basically it was a deep value opportunity. So they had a, so, so CMLS, the company's name is Cumulus media, what they are, So they were basically a radio station company and, yeah, you know, they had some, uh, really big names on the show. Like for example, uh, sorry, some really big names uh, using their radio station. So for example, um, Ben Shapiro, who's a noted political commentator, he had his podcast on Jordan Peterson as well. And, uh, you know, regardless of political affiliation, you know, that bought them a lot of money. But what didn't bring them a lot of money was the fact that, number one, they had a lot of debt. And then number two, um, uh, so number one, they had a lot of debt. And then number two, you know, the radio business as a whole is dying and, so what they so what they were able to do is number one they switched their business model around. So they, what they were doing is they were rapidly selling these radio stations uh, for cash, and then uh, in place of that they were starting to go all in into podcasting. So podcasting is the digital business, and overall it has higher margins compared to radio business or uh, compared to radio, which was a dying business. And number two, you know, they had these they had uh, they had a couple of really big names using the uh, using their podcast service. So that was so that was. Really good, and then the and then the second thing that they were doing that was absolutely right was they were, uh, you know, paying off debt really really fast. So they had a load of debt, but then you know they were uh, they were paying off hundreds of millions every single quarter, and you know they were aiming to get debt free as soon as possible. And um, so it was so it was in a sense a turnaround, deep value play, and uh, the book value was twenty dollars, and uh, I think the per cash value was fifteen dollars per share, and. Uh, stock was trading around five and so what i did was i bought it and then it ran up to eight and then you know i sold it at eight which was really stupid because after that no all it did was it started it continued to run up to, I think it's at like thirteen or fourteen dollars right now, so it would have been a multi-bagger right there. So that that is one thing you know that I've learned is number one, allocate properly, and number two, uh, you know, plan your entries and exits well in advance, and you know, actually like stay patient and hold on. And I think you know it's Charlie Munger who said, you know, the money is not made in the buying or the selling, but in the waiting. And um, so. Uh, I didn't allocate enough to you know CMLS. I allocated something really little, so I could have allocated you know twelve, thirteen percent of my portfolio. I allocated I think what was it six percent or seven percent. So you know I was so you know this was this was this had you know everything going for it. You know it had uh, you know the debt being paid off. It had a pretty good CEO. Um, it had you know was shifting into a high margin business and so on. Um, but yeah, that's that's one thing that I uh, that's one thing that I've done that was really dumb, and another thing that I've done that was really dumb is um, so I'm not gonna name the stock, but there were two stocks that in uh, 2018. So this is uh, in 2018 or early 2019. So this was after, and uh, I had a quote-unquote home run on Starbucks, and so and I thought, and I thought, uh, sort of, sort of, uh, you know, success is a lousy teacher, as Bill Gates said, and. So yeah, so I decided to go short two companies in early 2019, right before, you know, 2019 was a massive bull market. And I decided to short two stocks simply based on valuation and, you know, I, I basically lost what I made on Starbucks. So in a sense, I was brought back to, you know, square, square one. But you know, overall, I learned from there, you know, never short a company based off just valuation. You'll need other things going for it. You know, you'll probably need a catalyst and, you know, you'll probably need, you know, the company to be some sort of fraud as opposed to, you know, just being just being overvalued. So, yeah, so those are the, those are sort of the biggest mistakes I've
0: made. <laughs> no, no, hey, look, that's, that, those. That when it comes to the mistakes i mean right that's where you you said the bill gates quote yourself you know like yep. hey,
1: success hey, is a lousy hey, teacher so that's right yeah, it's, yeah. you know you learn from your mistakes you don't learn from your successes i guess that's
0: that's for sure hey well i have to ask i mean you know you're looking at micro caps as well i mean have have you have you ever had a conversation with management or their ir firm yet or do you strictly just kind of do the work and then and do your thing
1: so What I tend to do is I tend so instead of having like a live call, I usually like email uh, their IR and their CEO, and yeah, ask various questions. And um, so there was so there was what you could call you know uh, so there was there was an opportunity uh, in what you could call uh, in a sense uh, a very very pure value investing opportunity. So. Um, so, so there was basically this microcap company called Westall Corporation that was selling for about a dollar a share, if I remember correctly, and it was supposed to be privatized at $1, uh, dollar uh, So there was a sixty percent upside from there. But the condition, the clause there was that you know you have you could only hold a maximum of you know a thousand sh- uh, of a thousand shares and. So, you know, some part of that announcement was a little shoddy. So, you know, I had to email the management and, you know, I got to email the CEO, I got to ask a bunch of questions about it and, you know, I got them all clarified. So that was one thing that was holding the stock back. And then the other thing that was holding the stock back was uh, the fact that you could only, uh, you know, convert a maximum of a thousand shares. Um, uh, you can only convert a maximum of a thousand shares into, um, uh, uh, sorry, you can only, let me say this again, <laughs> you can only, you can, you could only convert. Uh, so if you, was, so if your position was either a thousand shares or less, you know, you would get the one sixteen cash. Otherwise, you know, you would become a private shareholder and that's not something I wanted to do. So, uh, so I bought about, I bought, you know, I bought about as many as I could. And then, you no, know, I managed to, I managed to sort of get that pure value investment. So I got a free sixty percent upside. But you know that would not have happened if you know I didn't. I, you know I didn't email the management, ask them questions, and you know ensure that what was going
0: on was you know correct. Gotcha. Okay. Ed, are you? Are you or were you shareholder of uh, WSTL? I was. Yes. You was. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So uh, you know another question I had for you is going back to the podcast. You know, mm-hmm. um, would you say that? your outlook on investing or your style would you say it's changed at all since starting the podcast i mean what were some lessons learned that you've that you've been able to glean from some some of your guests which you've had amazing guests on there. I've, there's been a little overlap actually i, I, I so I, I love some of the guests that you have on there they're, they're good <laughs> friends so um i mean is there anything that you learned from you know maj or uh who else or ben or any of these guys
1: yep so uh I think one thing that you know, I had, one thing that I've learned and something that I would like to seek, uh, would like to seek to incorporate in my investment process is number one, being what uh, what they would call a generalist. So in a sense, not restrict. Uh, so uh, in a sense, not restricting your fund to just trading equities. And, you know, I know this is a micro cap podcast, but, uh,
0: so, uh, but, uh, so we're Jim general L- microcap in general. Okay. We're, we're, you know, we're doing the micros, <laughs> but then we're doing the, d- 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 okay. All
1: right, yep. sorry. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I had this guy named uh, Jim Leitner, who, in the, who, in my opinion is one of the greatest investors ever. Uh, he was profiled in a book called inside the house of money. And, um, so he would describe himself as a generalist and so what that means is you know he would take advantage of pretty much any opportunity anywhere in the world uh, you know as long as you know it provided it provided returns so what he's done he's traded you know, say so he traded. So he's trading you know, those options on euro swap rates and then you know he's also been an activist equity partner in a brewery in Ghana so, so he's done all sorts of crazy things. And you know, the one thing that he said that sort of resonated with me is you, know, you could sort of restrict yourself to being, you know, I'm only going to invest in US microcap equities long only. But then, you know, the greatest trade in the world could be, you know, being short the Turkish lira or something like that. And you know, you you always have to keep your mind open and you also you always have to keep sort of the opportunity bucket open as well. And uh, you know, I'm not, I'm nowhere close to anywhere, I'm nowhere close to good at macro, you know, so far it's just been an interest and, uh, but, you know, that sort of, that sort of made a lot of sense because, you know, it also reminded me of, you know, Michael Burry, uh, big short, um, you know, he, 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 had a bunch of trouble convincing his investors that, you know, having a position well, you know, what most people consider a quote unquote macro position uh, on, on the market, on the housing market. Uh, had yeah, to convince his investors that, you know, he was actually still value investing and not, and not just, you know, gambling on, you know, credit default swaps. So that's, that's, that's one thing that I've learned that I think, you know, I have uh, that uh, that's resonated with me. And then, you know, another thing that I guess, uh, oh yeah, and, and another main, very important thing that I learned was from Matthew Peterson. I think uh, you probably know who he is, right? Peterson. Oh, he's the best. I love Matt. Yep. He, yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Um. So the, so what he taught me was, what he calls structured value. So what he does is he likes to write puts on, um, on stocks that he likes, assuming the puts are overvalued. And you know I've had a lot of fun doing that. So, um, so no you know, so, so selling. So you know every time your, uh, you know every time your stock goes down, or you know your stock. Well, I guess not goes down, but you know every time sort of the implied volatility spikes and your stock uh, moves lower. Um. Yeah, you, know, you want to be you want to be selling puts so that uh, you want to be selling cash secured puts so that um, uh, so you know if the stock if the stock goes higher and you know it changes direction and goes higher, um, you know you uh, you you get to keep the premium of the put that you sold. However, you know if you're forced to exercise, you get the stock at a much lower price. And the one thing that really works for us as microcap investors is the fact that number one, microcaps as a whole and tends to be a lot more volatile compared to, you know, large cap companies. And in that sense, these options also tend to have, you know, a higher implied volatility, and therefore also has um, a higher value. So what this means is, you know, you could, you could have a stock, uh, you know, that's, uh, so you could have an option uh, of a stock uh, that's, uh, you know, let's say the strike price is five, but then you'll, uh, you'll also end up seeing that, you know, the option is going for, uh, you know, a dollar, uh, per share. So the total value of the option is $100. So for $500 in margin, you get to um, you get $100 in premium. And um, so in that sense, and that's so what happens is your breakeven price actually falls from $5 to $4, which is a 20%, which is a further 20% discount on, you know, what normally would happen. And so, you know, that's, that's something that uh, I hope I haven't made a mess of, you know, what I was trying to explain, but <laughs>
0: Listen, I, I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to rewatch the, my my interview and your interview with Matthew just to make sure that I have it straight. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but 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 uh, all right. So Shri, coming around the bend here, you know, uh, you you talked about earlier about your investing mistakes and successes already, and you, from your experience, you know, what would you say of all those experiences, or maybe ones that you haven't shared yet, would you say impacted you the most in your career?
1: well, that's a good question. Uh, that, that's a hard one. Um, so, and you know, I guess, I guess number one would be, uh, you know, the ones that, you know, I've learned a lot from, and, you know, I've made a lot of, I, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And, you know, it's only been four years. So uh, in 40 years, imagine how many I'm going to make. And, you know, we could make a podcast, <laughs> you, know, call, you know, you could call me up in 40 years and we could make a podcast just on the number of mistakes I'm going to make. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I guess I'll I guess to, number will hold you to that, but
0: success is all right. Yep.
1: So uh so I guess um one would be you know not sizing your positions properly. Number two would not be, you know, not st- not would be you know not staying patient enough. And you know, number three would be you know what they call in poker, uh, you know, there's a there's a word called piking or you know, being a piker. And what that means is you know, gambling very small, or betting very small amounts, or you know getting out with very small gains when all the odds are on your side. And um, I remember one of my friends, uh, you know, started calling me biker of the year because, you know, I made some really, so I made a, so I made a really horrible trade. Well, uh, really, I made a really good trade and I got out at a really, you in know, a, in a, in a, I got out at a really horrible moment and um, I could probably, I could tell you what the trade is after, uh, after the podcast, but uh <laughs> Uh, so, so basically so basically everything was aligned and you know uh something that would have tripled my money uh you know i got out for a 15 percent gain and you know that was that was really stupid so i guess that's <laughs> so yeah that's 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 another thing you know number yeah, one always yeah. stay so i guess number one always stay patient number two you know bet accordingly and you know bet according to probabilities you know so you know value the business value the bet and then you know figure out you know, figure out, and then, you know, based on that, figure out, you know, how much you're going to bet and, uh, you know, I guess, you know, sit on your hands and, you know, you've got to wait and you know, you've got to stay patient. You know, it's all really easy to say, but, and, you know, we all know that we have to do it. It's just like, you know, putting it into practice is, it's not that easy, but yeah.
0: <laughs> Dude, I, I think the collective audience is like, oh, come on, Shree, that was the name. No, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but those, those are all really great lessons. And I, and I really hope anybody who's, you know their first time investing or anything like that you know have, take some of what he just said to heart you know i mean look i know we on on the show and uh, sure i'm sorry i'm like kind of speaking to the audience and also having you here hear what i'm mm-hmm. saying but like at the end of the day you know just this is a young man who's already really learning a lot you know and and getting a lot of the basics you know from from a very early age so it's really it's just awesome to see, man. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I love seeing it, and I love featuring, you know, young investors like yourself on the show as best I can, so that, you know, Thank more you. people can learn about that. That there are others their age or younger getting started, you know, and 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 taking control of their own financial freedom. So that's really cool. Yep, um, you
1: know, it's been awesome, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, sure, dude. All right. Well, listen. Before I let you go, I mean, what's next? I mean, uh, are 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 you going to university? Taking time? Taking a year? Like, what's what what's the plan?
1: So yeah, I do plan to go to university. Um. So for the next uh, so, um. So for the next five years, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a double degree at the University of Toronto. And, nice. Um, yeah. So uh, so basically, going to study a combination of finance and statistics. So. So there's going to be some math involved. And I think there's going to, I think that would overall be pretty useful because number one, statistics in a sense is sort of applied math in a way. And, you know, overall, you know, a lot of these hedge funds, if you're looking for a job as well, you know, a lot of these hedge funds are looking for, you know, quantitative skills. So, you know, they want you to know how to code. They want you to, you know, be good at statistics and be good at, um to an extent, calculus as well. And you know, some of the stuff I learned will probably be useful, you know, in, uh, you know, when trying to i trying to trade options as well. So, uh, I guess, so, so in that, so in that way, um, so that way that's, that's sort of what I plan to do, uh, for the next couple of years or so, uh, for the next five years. So, and uh, hey man, I yep. was going to say, look, anything to
0: help with trading options, like for taking. I, I'm, I'm still, <laughs> um, the options are still for me, Dude, you know, Yeah. You,
1: all you got <laughs> to do is buy out of the money calls on
0: AMC and you're done. Yeah, of course, right? Like, uh, totally. <laughs> so, Sri, so with that, man, you know, where can my audience go and find more information about you? Actually, hold on. Before, before information, last question. Mm-hmm. What advice What advice do you have for new investors, you know, that either are your same age, you know, insane, also a Zoomer, you know, what, what advice do you have for them that, you know, may, maybe want to take more control of their financial freedom but just don't know how?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'd probably say number one, you've got to always be, you know, curious about the world. And I've been lucky to be curious about the world from a young age. But you know, you've got to, you know, number one, not only want to know what's going on with business, you also uh, you also want to know what's going on with the world. And you know, number two, you know, you've got to be passionate about investing. You know if you're just going in it for the money and, you know, you don't actually like sitting down and reading annual reports, you know, it's probably not for you. I know there's other options as well. And number three, I'd probably say, you know, read everything you can, you know, regardless of, you know, what it is and, you know, whether it's some value investing, you know, if you can, you know, understand it and there's not too much math in it, you know, you should probably read it and you should probably just, you know, sit down and, you know, just read annual reports all day. And every, well, at least for me, you know, I spend like every free minute that I have, you know, reading about, investing and reading about this or that or the other related to finance and I guess in a sense, you know, I'm really passionate about it. Um, but I don't know, as uh, so I said, you know, you have to be passionate about investing if you want to succeed. And then the last thing would be, uh, you know, always you know manage risk properly and know, don't, you know, don't follow, you know, don't follow, you know, the people who are just, you know, buying AMC calls or GME calls and, you know, trying to get rich quick, you know, it's, it's really difficult to actually, you know, get rich quick. know, if, you know, if it was possible, you know, we'd all be doing it. And, you know, so there's, so as much as people would like to convince you that, you know, you could get rich quick, you know, just trading one hour a day or, you know, buying, you know, specific option. You know, that's, that's just not possible. That's just not possible in the real world. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically it.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, Sri, with that, where can my audience go and find more information about you, listen to your podcasts, everything they want, they, they, they could want.
1: Yep. So uh, if you want to find, you know, my, uh, my Twitter page, you can just search up E-L-I-T-E underscore investor, O-E investor. Uh, um, and uh, if you want to go listen to the podcast, you can just search up market champions on a platform of your choice and you know you can you can find it on youtube as well so you know shameless plug make sure to subscribe and make sure to follow on twitter so <laughs> thank plug you plug away man that's how you do these things come on now all
0: thank right you.
1: and thank you for thank you for having me bobby it's been awesome uh, being here i love your awesome. podcast so yeah
0: it's awesome man no th- thank you for for taking the time to do this it's a lot of fun and uh yeah man I- i'm 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 cheerleader over here Make it happen. Up and coming rising star, dude. I'm just really excited to follow your career. Thank you. Shree, thanks, man. Have a good weekend, okay? You too. podcast. podcast.